This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome into another edition of the Varsity Club podcast. Um, four assistant coaches were fired this week. It's... Uh, you know, we, we talk about this kind of all throughout a season as as things go wrong and we talk about the potential for people to lose their jobs and then it actually happens. And um, it's sad. I kind of feel, not kind of, I feel sad for the four men that obviously everybody on this podcast knows um, that have gotten to know over, over the last few years that now, you know, this is this is kind of the, the not so fun part of the profession where you have to think about families up and moving, um, trying to find a new job. It's kind of a sad time. Um, so we're going to talk about sort of sort of what happened on Monday. Nebraska announced the restructuring of Scott Frost's contract. He'll be back for the 22 season, but it will be with almost an entirely new offensive coaching staff. Sean Becton remained. We're going to talk about sort of that restructuring of Frost's contract and, and bringing him back. We're also going to talk about the departure of forces and coaches on Nebraska's offensive staff. To do that, I have uh, Hill Varsity's managing editor, Brandon Vogel, with me. Brandon, hello. How are you? Uh, oh, doing pretty well, all things considered. I think that's the, uh, the appropriate tone for this week. I also have Greg Smith. Greg, hello. How are you? Uh, this Hi, the exact same as Brandon. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, gentlemen, on, um, on Monday of this week we're recording this thursday morning nebraska announced that scott frost had agreed to a restructured contract his buyout was cut in half and his salary was dropped from five million to four million a lot of people have said oh they're just doing what michigan did with jim harbaugh yes but no because jim harbaugh had significantly more success uh at his spot to that point than scott frost has had but sort of the um i think the intent is pretty similar frost enters into 22 in a situation where if you look at the schedule, you got to win more than six games. I think that's, that, that's the way I read it. Maybe you guys read it differently. We'll talk about that. Um, and in getting there, he's going to have almost an entirely new offensive coaching staff with him. So Nebraska also announced that effective immediately on Monday, it had fired offensive coordinator and wide receiver coach, Matt Lubick, offensive line coach, Greg Austin, running back coach, Ryan Held, and quarterback coach Mario Verdusco. So for the last two games, Ron Brown will coach running backs. Steve Cooper will handle the quarterbacks. Mike Cassano, the wide receivers, and Frank Verducci, the offensive line. Those guys were either analysts or, or quality control guys on the staff previously. Um, so we'll just start here. I guess what was, the, what was your overall reaction, or if you want to go knee-jerk reaction, to the staff announcements on Monday, Frost's contract restructuring on Monday, 
the news that he will be back for 22. Brandon, we'll start with you. What was kind of when you sat down at the end of the day and thought about like, okay, here's everything that just happened. What do I think of it? What, what were you thinking? Um, well, on Sunday, I was chatting with Aaron Sorensen, our deputy editor, and kind of just, we were both kind of taking the lay of the land of, hey, what do you feel here? And I was uh, probably about 55% frost is retained. So 45%. And I think that extra 5% for me was really just Trev Alberts played for Nebraska in essentially the same era. They didn't overlap as players, but played, played in Nebraska at the same time. You give that 5% to, to a guy who, you know, has been through the same thing that you have as a player. Um, so I thought that was it. So I wasn't that surprised that that was the decision that came down. I thought if you if that, if that is the decision, it, benefited Nebraska the most to come out and say that on a bye week. Um, what I didn't foresee coming was the assistant firing a couple of hours later. I think we all knew that was probably in the cards. It, it kind of comes here. I mean, Florida announced a couple of key firings in their uh, football staff that same day. And it's usually those two things are separate. Like you, if you're if you've got to quote unquote make some sacrifices, a term I don't like, but one that was used this week, um, that typically is the first step. Uh, it was just an odd combination to get those two things together. That's kind of the thing that does still doesn't totally add up to me. It doesn't need to add up. The end result is the same, but it was just weird to get both on the same day. Greg, what was your reaction? Yeah, after I kind of sat back and thought about it, it, that was one of my big takeaways is that we got a lot at the same time, essentially. It, we didn't have time to just kind of as like kind of in our world and kind of how we operate in reacting and writing to and talking about the news. We didn't have time really to digest the first set of news before the next wave really hit which is kind of unusual given like how, like the magnitude of what we're talking about here. Um, because after all of that, I kind of thought, well, here we go. Like this is like kind of the, then this will, I'm sure we'll talk about this more later. Like this will be, this is kind of the beginning of, if you want to term it the frost era 2.0 or however you want to go with this, this day on Monday is now the beginning of that. And to me, everything now that happens after this is going to be either right or wrong. It's going to be judged on this is an indictment of what's about to happen or, hey, this is a sign that this can work. Um, but the start of it is, is, wow, we got a lot of news in one day. So my next question was going to be, were either of you surprised by the timing? It sounds like, yes, so we'll move on to, to the other piece of it. Greg, you wrote on, on Wednesday on HaleVarsity.com a piece titled, Replacing Ryan Held on the Recruiting Trail Won't Be an Easy Task for Scott Frost. Um, Held was the guy that I was most surprised was let go. Uh, you know, I think if, if, you're, um, if we're talking about this a month ago and saying, you know, you're told Nebraska is going to fire part ways with whatever term you want to use multiple offensive coaches at the end of the season, take your guess who they'll be Austin, like it, it held probably would have been the fourth name. Um, but those four guys were let go. I think he's put together a running back room that has shown promise. 
his recruiting successes have been well documented. Um, Greg, you can talk about the the piece that you wrote for HailVarsity.com if you want to. Um, but I, my question is, were either of you surprised with Held being one of the assistants that was fired? And, and Greg, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think starting with that point of it, yes, I, I was surprised that Held was included. Um, I would not say shocked because I think that it, I, I would have described it as to me that Everyone except for Sean Becton was on the table, I thought. Um, and I think that that's pretty conventional wisdom. But that as it, but still, I think that Ryan Held was the, of the remaining people, was like kind of the last person I would have expected to go. And in part because I do agree with you, Derek, your point that I think he's put together a running back room with promise. There have been obvious, there have obviously been issues there, namely with identifying who is the starting running back. For, and it's not just a this year problem, that's a multiple year thing. But for us, we don't know who exactly is making that decision and what has all gone into that. So there is that component of it. But on the other hand, you also, you kind of have to give held credit for getting these running backs ready. So if you, you can't on one hand say, hey, it's awesome that you had a true freshman ready to go on Gabe Irvin Jr but then not give him credit for helping to get him and identifying him in recruiting, right? Like there has to, it's just kind of a weird situation. So that's just the running back coaching portion of it. The portion I wrote about for mostly for hailvarsity.com is that the recruiting piece of this to me is, is a huge deal. And it's, it's not just because they've recruited nine running backs in the time that, that held and Frost have been together at Nebraska. It's that Ryan Held is also carries the title of recruiting coordinator he also organized all of the junior college recruiting efforts based on his connections to junior college and through his time, you know, in those ranks and being a head coach there. And oh, by the way, he was the lead recruiter on a lot of different other high profile players on the roster that have, I guess, either come and gone, um, not through his fault, but also um, just guys like Turner Corcoran because he had the state of Kansas. So it, there was just a lot there when it came comes to somebody or some bodies are going to have to pick up that mantle to replace all of that effort and output. Brandon was, was Ryan held the guy that you were most surprised by, or was it Matt Lubick? Matt Lubick for me. And I think that's a little bit of circumstance because, you know, with, with Greg's piece that, that he wrote, I, I firmly agree from a recruiting standpoint, he was clearly a guy who connected with people. Um, and not just the running backs that he was specifically recruiting. He was kind of their ace. He was kind of their door opener for a lot of guys. Um, and I think some of it with Lubick was just, they've been pretty opaque about what exactly his role is. So, you know, they've built wide receiver depth. Okay. That's been, a, you know, was kind of a consistent refrain over those first couple of seasons and wide receivers, you know, pretty good for the most part this year they've definitely got I think enough talent there right now it's still curious in some regards how that uh, gets unfurled but you know we never fully knew what the play calling breakdown was all, all of that stuff so I think I may I was most surprised by Lubick just because well there were things you could point to with okay Adrian Martinez is kind of the same guy he was in 2018 so maybe that puts quarterback coach uh, in, into consideration. None of those running backs, well, I agree with both of you guys. I, I think they've got a good room. I think they've got a room that's kind of set up for 
if they had Oregon type success where you just run guys in like two, three guys in um, and any of them can kind of hurt you. You couldn't fully do that because there were struggles on the offensive line, you know, which kind of put the O-line coach on uh, in, into consideration. So that kind of left Lubick. Um, so I don't know that it was, it, it, he was the one that most surprised me but only because I knew the least or I felt I had the least grasp on his actual on-field impact. Um, Greg, I want to go back to you because you touched on, well, not touched on, you talked about recruiting, Held's impact on recruiting. This whole thing is going to impact recruiting in a, in a normal year, in a normal situation. I understand Nebraska's situation is different for context that I'm sure you'll talk about. Um, but in like a normal situation, firing your almost your entire offensive coaching staff basically a month before early signing period is is certainly a move. Um, what well, I, I guess, how does this affect Nebraska's recruiting class for twenty two? Does it have a a big impact? Does it have a significant impact? I guess just talk about kind of what this does to their recruiting with with a kind of a month to go before the finish line. Yeah, this is where it starts to, to, to get really interesting on not just like the timing of the announced moves, even doing them um, to begin with, and then also like kind of with replacements and all of that timing. So for the 2022 class, though, the only silver lining, or I guess what's nothing, it's a big silver lining in a way, depending on how you want to kind of spin it, is that because the class is so small and we knew that, there isn't going to be, I don't think, such a huge impact on that class. So like, for example, Brandon referenced Florida. Um, LSU also is going through coaching changes. I'm reading stuff about them where like, hey, they've got five-star guys that are canceling visits because they don't know who's going to be coaching them. Nebraska's not in that spot. And so whether or not that's, you know, that's obviously not a great thing that they weren't already in that position, but at the same time, it makes it to where you can absorb that a little bit more because you're not losing quite as much, right? Um, the really big impact here to me is not necessarily the 22 class, because I thought that that was going to end up being more of a developmental class anyway. It's what Frost has already talked about, which is needing to find immediate impact guys through both the portal and the junior college ranks. I don't know how you do that when you just remove the person that is the point person for junior college recruiting and then someone that in theory would have portal connections, though in theory everyone should because it's basically one, one big network, right? Um, that, and now with, you, with a, whatever changes, large or small, come to these offensive positions, you have to work that out on the fly, whether it's not, it's not and it's not just the offense. It's also just like what types of players are these new coaches looking for? Like there's just a lot there um, when it comes to trying to do this in a very short timetable. I want to read to you guys a couple of things that Frost said on Wednesday. So, okay, first quote, we've come so close in so many games. It's hard to think we can keep doing exactly the same things and get over the top. It's not just any person's fault, any one of, of those coaches' fault. Sometimes there just needs to be a little different voice and maybe little changes that can make a difference, end quote. He later goes on to say, quote, on, on the staff firings, quote, it's an easy decision for me to make any sacrifices I have to, to have the privilege to continue to be here. 
the next quote is on the offense and what he's kind of looking for. Quote, it's not going to be easy. I have to find somebody that I trust. I'm an offensive guy. I'm always going to have something to do with it. There are things about being the coach at Nebraska that I haven't been able to enjoy because of all the time I've been spending trying to fix problems and dig ourselves out of a hole and get the team better. And I spent a lot of time offensively too. And not that I didn't have the right guys. Again, I can't say enough about them, but I need to be able to really trust somebody. I'll still be involved, but that will take a lot off my plate. And I think help me be even better in some other areas. So there are a couple things here that I want to touch on. And then we're going to go to special teams in a second. Um, the, the kind of notion that Frost is, is going to be more CEO as opposed to offensive controller, um, maybe more of a, a helicopter coach than he has been. Um, that, that kind of narrative is certainly out there. It's something that Frost sort of alluded to when he, when he talked Wednesday. Um, the, the offensive piece, who he hires at offensive coordinator, is going to be super telling about how this is going to go over the next year, maybe over the next few years, about just what's going to happen from this point on, what kind of guy he hires. Now, like Frost could go and say, I want Jeff Grimes from Baylor. I want that dude to be my offensive coordinator. He's one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. If, if you talk about like coaching it's not high. Like what's the opposite of hot seat? Like the coaches that everybody wants to come join their team, like Jeff Grimes is up there. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he doesn't have any ties to Scott Frost. So like, that's, that's one way that you can go in a lot of instances, most coaches in most places pick assistants that they know have some kind of relationship with have worked with, in passing or closely at, at some point in their careers or somebody on their staff knows. So like, I understand that what I'm, what I'm about to say and what I'm asking of frost is not, it, it's unique for the, for the, the profession. It feels like, and Brandon, you and we had a, we had a conversation about this in our Slack channel. Um, so we're just going to talk about this on the mic. Now it feels like if frost goes with, somebody that he doesn't know, somebody that he doesn't have a relationship with, somebody that is just like a Tony Tuioti hire, where we've heard of him, he's got good recommendations, we met with him, we really liked his ideas and what he had to say, and that's the guy we went with. He was one of the best guys for the job. If that's the route he goes, I think Frost inspires some confidence in people that, that don't have a ton in him right now. On the other hand, if Frost goes with somebody he knows or who he's comfortable with or he trusts or knows his language already. Um, maybe things don't change and Frost's comment about, you know, we can't keep doing exactly the same things and expect to get over the top. All right. Don't hire somebody that, you know, then Brandon, do you agree with that assessment? For the most part, like I, <laughs> So <laughs> Frost's kind of coaching tree slash circle isn't that big because, I mean, he, he, you know, made his hires at UCF and then brought them all here. And he was basically at Kansas State as a GA 
Then he went to Northern Iowa for two years, which is where he picked up some of the guys that were on Nebraska's staff or first got introduced to them, I guess is a better way to put it. And then he was in Oregon. So there, it's not a giant circle of guys out there that already have a connection to Frost. I mean, the one that comes to mind and the name that gets bandied about for, for that obvious reason is Mark Helfrich. And I personally, if that were the pick, it wouldn't make me as excited as going someplace else. I don't think it precludes it from, well, you know, maybe, okay, now Frost is in charge and Helfrich is, is the OC. Roles are a little bit reversed. Maybe it truly is just a new set of eyes to say like, oh, here's something you guys were missing. Uh, and I see it and nobody else had. It doesn't make me that optimistic about that, though. I, I think the kind of Jeff Grimes path where you just go out there and find somebody you're like, I like what they do on offense. And based on my assessment, I think our biggest weaknesses, our biggest fixes need to be A, B, and C. Um, and here's somebody I think that can do that. That's the more intriguing option to me. And I think probably what kind of Frost outlined himself as what they need. So Frost said he doesn't want to make wholesale changes offensively. I would love to see Graham Harrell, a clash of offensive, not, not, not a clash, but different ideologies with how to run an offense. I think that would be interesting. Sort of the melding of that Oregon spread with, Graham Harrell likes the air raid, obviously coming from the Mike Leach school. Um, but the big question that I have, and Brandon, you kind of alluded to it, how many friends does Frost have left out there? Because it, not that you, you need a friend to, to join, but when you are in the position that Frost is in, he has a losing record, the assumption from most people kind of dropping in and looking at this situation is that he's got, he's got a one year prove it year after this restructured contract. So that's out there. Then for him to say, it's an easy decision for me to make any sacrifices I have to, to have the privilege to continue here. If you're a, a, an assistant coach somewhere else looking at this situation, Greg, how likely are you to see the situation to see what's going on, to hear that comment. Now it's putting a lot of weight behind one comment that you probably shouldn't put as much weight behind, but still it was allowed. Some of the word choices was, was a loud comment. How likely are you to look at this situation and say, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is this, is this going to be tough for him to go out and find somebody that is just best guy he can get for the job? Or is he going to have to rely on, no, I have a relationship with this guy. And it sort of becomes like, I don't know, like you ask five people and you get the fifth guy because everybody else turns you down. I think that this will, because of what you laid out, plus the circumstances of it being the third offensive coordinator under his watch at Nebraska. In four years. In four years, I, I think that the just kind of uh, had an unwillingness to to like change um, the offense much if that in, in in fact is the way he wants to go I think that all of that would make it to where I think it's going to be potentially more difficult to just go get the big name that people want and that Nebraska has the ability to get financially 
I just don't know if it's going to be the slam dunk that you, because one of the names, of course, that, that, of course, that continues to come up, for example, is Tom Herman, right? So if you just say to, about that, like, why would it be a slam dunk that he would come here to play devil's advocate, given everything that we just outlined? And in his specific case, he wants to be on his own kind of personal redemption tour because he wants to show again, eventually, that he can be a power five head coach, right? And so I think that there is a chance that this is more difficult to pull off than people realize, which then could end up having you in the situation where it has to be someone that you quote know or trust, which doesn't necessarily have to rule someone out. It should not rule someone out necessarily. But I think a key thing here is that he's already been down that road. Right. So the offensive coordinator that was just replaced was brought in, at least in part, because he and Frost spoke the same language and they had had success together previously. Right. And Frost trusted him and Frost trusted him. So then what's the disconnect there? Like, why do you because it's implied now that part of the problem, at least then, is that you did not trust Matt Lewick to fully turn the offense over to him. Right or wrong. That's the implication based on all of the things that Scott Frost said. So how do you bridge that gap? Even if it's another person that you know, say Mark Helfrich, what would be different about that particular problem? Well, and just to be clear, just just because Mark Helfrich has a prior relationship with Frost, they work together, they're friends, that does not on its own mean that Helfrich coming to Nebraska wouldn't work because like Walters and Lubick didn't work. Like, is Helfrich a, a better offensive coordinator than Walters and Lubick? Maybe, probably. Um, so like just just the simple element of knowing the person that you're hiring, being friends with the person that you're hiring, that doesn't mean that it's not going to work. It it like this, like Frost has to rely on optics a lot right now. Um, the thing you mentioned about Tom Herman, the Herman situation is really interesting to me because when you're like when you're at one of these spots and you're hiring like an assistant like this, like an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, like you can go, there were like kind of three buckets that you can pick from you can pick from guy i know you can pick from best available for the job and then there's this third bucket that's like distressed asset guy who was somewhere it didn't work and now he's trying to rehabilitate his career a lot of times you know like you see it with bill o'brien in alabama and what alabama's done a ton with with coordinators and assistant coaches is those guys are willing to take these coordinator jobs, flip the perception of them, and then they're a head coach again. If you're a program like Nebraska, you could say, well, we're a big program. If the guy has success, then he's suddenly back where he wants to be. The problem is, how many of those guys are going to look at this situation and say, yep, that's the situation that's going to flip the perception of me? When in all, you know, there's a possibility that Bill O'Brien is leaving Alabama this offseason, and Alabama's Nick Saban school of coaching rehabilitation is, has a, has another spot open. You're kind of competing against some of these, these places that are doing that thing and have done it better. Um, and so it just makes, it just makes the hire interesting. It, it, you know, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be really tough for him to go out and, and, and find a guy, Brandon. Yeah. I, I, I really like the way you put that because I think, the situation in Nebraska kind of gives them the most draws from the distressed asset bucket, which makes me think that someone like Herman might be, uh, I think you have a better shot at Tom Herman 
And I actually, I like the fact that he's been a head coach where it didn't work out. Like a lot of times we see with these coordinators who were, you know, maybe lost their job as a head coach, they can kind of come in and pick things up pretty quickly. It's a different situation though, as you noted, than Steve Sarkeesian. Like, okay, Steve, you come into Alabama, fine. You got all of the talent and all of the advantages in the world to work with. You wouldn't have that at Nebraska. But if Tom Herman comes in just as a purely hypothetical um, and does a good job and things turn around for Nebraska, it probably it probably does get him further down the road to his next head coaching job if that's what he wants to do. I mean, a, another complication, I think, with what Frost laid out this week was need somebody you can trust. I think he also said, I need somebody who's been there, which kind of reduces your number of polls from the up and comer bucket where, you know, Steve Marek and I were talking about Willie Korn, who's co-OC at Coastal Carolina at the moment. And I really like that coastal offense. And so does Steve. And you know, I, I think. And so does Frost, right, it seems. Yes. And it, I think it's the right kind of offense. I mean, that's another whole other interesting conversation about Frost's assessment of what they need. What, what is that? Um, but it's it's hard, I think, to lure a like if Willie Corn just stays there and Coastal Carolina keeps doing what it's doing, he'll have a lot of options. So is your best option Nebraska, where you only know you might have one year? So it, it's it's tough to get the up and comers, and it's really tough. I think the toughest of all to get the established guys, which is where you want to be if you have to be in this situation. I would like to pivot this conversation to special teams, unless Greg, there's anything else you want to say about offensive coordinator. Really quick. I really, I would really be intrigued by the Willie Corn situation because I, I am in total agreement. I want this on the record that I really like that offense too. And think it would be really good here. Um, and think that talk about things that would fire people up, like saying that we're not just going to dip our toe into that, but we're going to lean into it would be something that would really get people excited. We can now go to special teams. Okay. <laughs> I agree. Um, okay. So I, I would like to have a conversation about special teams. Um, there, are, there are four openings on this staff for assistant coach hires. One route that Frost could go is – he could make Sean Becton, the wide receiver and tight end coach, and then hire an offensive coordinator that handles quarterbacks and then hire an offensive line coach and a running back coach. And he still has one spot left. Now that spot could go to a full-time special teams coordinator, a guy whose entire day is dedicated to special teams. Nebraska has tried various ways of handling special teams in Frost's four years. And so far, none of those things have worked. So maybe they go the route of full-time dedicated offensive coordinator. Frost said that's a possibility on Wednesday. He was asked about it and he said, it's a possibility. And then quote, our special teams have vastly improved. Our specialists, we need to continue to get better in those roles but our coverage units, when you watch the tape and compare it to where we've been, I'm really happy with the progress that we've made there. He said that Mike Dawson is doing a good job. So a few numbers. Um, footballoutsiders.com has a special teams efficiency metric. 
that sort of blends everything into one number and gives it to you. Nebraska ranks 128th in their efficiency metric. In S&P Plus, which does the same thing with special teams, Nebraska ranks 127th. Their punt return average ranks 126th this season, which is down from 14th last year. Their kick return average ranks 117th, which is down from 94th last year. Their average in punts is 93rd, which is actually up from 95th last year. Their field goal percentage conversion made 125th down from 15th last year. Punt returns allowed 79th. Have they improved? Has the special teams improved? To the point where you wouldn't try something different? So, Brandon, my question for you is, and this was kind of the conversation that we had, special teams in, in, in the overall picture is sort of a, if it's really good, it gives you a small boost. If it's really bad, it's noticeable, but it's not like the sole thing that is losing you games. Nebraska special teams have been really bad. Frost dedicating a full-time assistant position to special teams would, would mean that, you know, he's going to have to double up with some of the other offensive positions. And it's maybe not the most value for your buck, which was kind of what you were getting at when, when we talked about it. That being said, Frost's whole comment about we can't expect to get over the top by doing the exact same things. That would mean hire a special teams coordinator. Don't continue to talk about how important it is and how much you value it and all of this other stuff and continue to de-emphasize it with coordinator hires and, and with the, the way you kind of manage your staff. Do they need a full-time special teams coordinator, Brandon, yes or no? No. Um, and I know coaches across the country have them. And, but if, if I were in that position, I would have a, have a hard time devoting that many, that, that percentage of my resources to something that is a small part of the game. And I'll probably get some hate mail for that because like every coach in the history of coaching has said special teams are important and they are. But I think the problem is, is that, you know, you're talking about 10, 12, 15 plays a game when they go wrong, everyone notices and they're like, oh, special teams are terrible. To, to reference the SP plus ratings that you mentioned, Nebraska's most recent game based on this week's rankings was the Huskers are what, 127th? They faced Ohio State, which is number one right now. And with the SP plus, which is trying to determine a, a total ranking of this team is X points better than average. Ohio State, number one in the country, their SP plus, Special teams rating adds a point. Nebraska's, I think, takes away 0.7. So it's just, it's hard for me to say we need somebody to come in and get us closer to that one extra point from this one point we're nearly losing. Um, for it, as, as a signifier of change, I get what you're saying. It would be that. I just don't know if signaling change for something that probably can't change your outcomes that much uh, makes a ton of sense in my mind. So 
I, I agree with you on the like the the importance of special teams. It's you cannot disagree with like the the point value that it adds. It's it's a small percentage of the game, um, but I just hear. I'm not encouraged by what I hear from Frost. And if he hires a full-time special teams coordinator, not because of the boost that they will get from their special teams and how much that will affect their bottom line. If he goes a different route than what he has gone before, to me, I'm just like, I would like to see that because to me, it would signal that he is actually serious about making changes in other regards, is he going to micromanage position groups again? Is he actually going to turn over play calling to somebody else? Is he actually going to do that? Is he going to give up this thing that has been his for his entire coaching career? And until Nebraska, he has had a lot of success with, is he actually going to do that for him to have sort of an opportunity with the special teams hire to signal like, yeah, this is going to be different to sort of fall back and do the same thing, which again, it would be a different person. So it wouldn't technically be doing the same thing, but they have tried analysts. They have tried outside linebacker coach handling special teams. They have tried another outside linebacker coach handling special teams. And the other part of this is you want your outside linebacker coach specifically in this defense with the way that they are trying to build their defense to, to have most of his time dedicated to developing outside linebackers. They, they need to find an outside linebacker to hit. So that's, that's the other part of it. But like, I just want to see actual change. There's been so much talk about, we're going to do this differently. We're going to do this differently. And then nothing ever materializes. And this feels like an opportunity for him to maybe calm the waters. Greg, what are your thoughts on this? Man, I, I really think that this is a, like the way that you guys have gone back and forth on it, it just makes me think of a, it is a, actual impact discussion versus the optics of it and one of the things that <laughs> right or wrong that i think that is kind of true about frost and Frost's tenure is that he's not always good with those optics type situations therefore i'm not sure that he cares that it needs to be the optics need to be fixed about that and i I agree with you on the point that I, if it were me, I would step back and say, we need to do this in part because of the optics in part, because we all, I also need to show that I have a dedication to this part of the game, but I'm not so sure that we talk about being encouraged and discouraged by things we heard. I'm not encouraged from hearing that press conference that I think that he cares any more about those optics than I thought last week. And so I, and because of that, I don't, see him doing it right now if you if you made me pick what I thought he was going to do I also think and he's not alone in this that there are a group of football coaches that believe that I I should not have to have a dedicated special teams coach on my staff if you're going to coach special teams then you need to be doing something else too I think that that's also something that there are a lot of coaches that think that like Brandon's point there are you know dedicated ones out there but there are also a whole lot of special teams coaches that are also coaching tight ends or also coaching running backs or whatever. Um, and I think I tend to think that frost falls more into that category of thinking. And then you can kind of get into the, the nitty gritty and into the weeds of 
though, even with doing that, could you place more of an emphasis on it? Is there something missing between the way that Frost projects how he feels about special teams and the way that the team seems to behave about special teams? Um, because I don't, I think that those two lined up a lot more than people realized the last couple of years, especially. Let me, let me clarify. I don't, I, I, Frost doesn't care about optics and frankly, nor should he, the optics don't matter. The results are the things that matter for him. Um, but I, I bring up needing to, needing to like show that you're open to change, not because he needs to prove to Jim in, you know, Western Nebraska that he's open to change. I, I like, it seems like a, like a gateway thing. If he, if he doesn't do it, I view that as, and, and maybe I'm wrong. I view that as frost thinking, this is purely a personnel issue and not a strategy or not, you know, a, a approach problem. If he if he says we don't need a full time special teams coordinator, we can we just need to change the person and the way that we're doing it will work because as he says right now things are working the specialists just aren't like if he views it as a personnel issue, why should I believe that anything else in the program is going to change? Why should I believe that he views? anything else as anything other than just a personnel issue. If he hires a full-time special teams guy, then that, that should look like Frost saying, no, I am open to change in ways that challenge the way I view this should be done and run. Brandon, do you have thoughts? I think that's putting too much weight on what has to happen over the next three and a half to four weeks. Which because is perfectly we, fair. Perfectly fair. Because, because really the only way we're going to know if any of this stuff has resulted in the meaningful change that Nebraska needs is when they kick off against Northwestern in Ireland next year, which, oh, by the way, this will be a Northwestern coming off being down Northwestern. So be nervous. They're going to be like <laughs> 10 and two. <laughs> yes. That's that's what Northwestern does. Um, so so I think that's it. And it's it's a tough thing to weigh because we're all interested now. Like we are all remorseful for what had to happen, quote unquote, with the Nebraska assistance, with the people that lost their job. But it also kind of injects a little bit of new blood, which is why you do this to to kind of build some enthusiasm that way for something that feels at this moment pretty stagnant. Um, that said, you know, we'll break this down every which way and we'll talk about candidates and that stuff is fun, but it's going to be nine months from now before we really get a sense of, okay, have things actually changed. And probably the most important change agent for them as a football team that's going to impact their bottom line is their offense averaging 30 points for the first time since Frost's first year. Like they haven't, they haven't averaged 30 points in a game since Frost's first season in Lincoln. Um, I was curious. I just looked up UCF's special teams efficiency rating from, from football outsiders in 2017. It was 10th when they went 12 and 0. Um, so I, I guess my question there would be how much does, uh, does field position with your 
your offense help that. Um, Cause if you're giving other teams kick returns nine times out of 10, instead of punt returns probably helps a little bit. Um, yeah, it, it de- definitely does. I'll say this about Dawson, like just listening to him talk, I am convinced that that dude knows about special teams. So, and I guess my question would be is how much of our conversation around Nebraska special teams right now is different if the kickers just hit a perfectly average amount, like 80% of their field goals, because kickoff return has basically been legislated out of the game for a large part. Like if you've got a great kick returner, maybe you can make something happen there. Um, you know, it's just, there's, there's just, it's, it's, I, I've said this already, but it just feels like a really small slice of pie that gets a ton of attention. Yeah. It, yeah. That's fair. Um, I, I'm just, I, I think I'm just, I am, I'm worried by what seems like an inability to find the right personnel for those positions because they've tried, I think it's like nine different kickers have taken a field goal for frost. Um, and they still have these issues. They can't find a punter. They can't find a punt return guy. Um, yeah. What here's, here's what we'll end with. Cause Brandon, you probably have to go in a minute. Um, it, it, would you prefer frost as a play caller or frost as a CEO coach, Brandon? Not having seen him in CEO role yet uh, fully probably as a play caller, but then that's not the head coach. So um, that's kind of where I'm at at this moment. And that's part of the thing where it takes some experience to be willing to, I think, make that progression and give up what you know you already do well. And that's the question with all this stuff. Is that change starting to happen now? Because that's what it's billed as. Greg, what say you? Play caller as well, because I, I have wondered to myself if, if the CEO role is A, what he's really, what his skill set is really best used for, and if that's really what he deep down wants to do, because I don't necessarily believe that I, if you gave Frost that choice, I think that he would prefer to be very immersed in the offense. And so I don't know how you can then arrive at good results as a CEO if you'd rather be doing the things you're reluctantly giving up. We'll see. I mean, Frost has, has um, made reference to this a ton over the years that the head coaching job at Nebraska requires a lot. And there's a lot of people pulling in a lot of different directions. And it seems like recently he's been um, not, not open because he's still a little vague about the actual things that are that are being asked of him but he's he's spoken more on there are a lot of things on his plate that aren't related to coaching offensive football or or getting a football team ready to play so we'll 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 certainly see what happens there it's going to be an interesting few weeks in Nebraska as it always is there's never never a dull time with this football team it's remarkable um they're on a bye week this week they'll play Wisconsin and then they'll play Iowa so like, you know, there's a situation where they can still win two of those. I mean, they could still win both of them. You know, Iowa is, is sort of cratering as an offense. And um, I, I was looking up the other day, they're like one of the worst in the country in terms of rushing yards per carry, which I never expected to see an Iowa team be as low as they were. And I don't have the number in front of me. I apologize. But, and, and then Wisconsin, you're like, well, are they the team that they were in the beginning of the season or they actually figure some stuff out offensively? Um, but that defense is, is 
nasty, gross. So we'll see. Um, you guys got to go. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back next week with another one. In the meantime, keep reading hillbarcity.com. Plenty of content throughout the weekend. Brandon has his own podcast, the IED Preview Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to that. Leave him a five-star review. Greg Smith also has his own podcast, a straight-up breakdown. Go listen to that. Subscribe to it. Leave him a review. Listen to the rest of the shows. We are a proud part of the Herd App Media Network. Shouts to Cam for producing this episode every week. And to you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. Hold Media Production.